Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Amen, amen. amen. So we thought, uh, you know, in these moments, there's so much you can talk about in relationships. And uh, for us always, we want to try and as much as we can cross all dynamics of relationships. Thank you, guys. You've been amazing. We don't need the romantic music behind us anymore. <laughs> no, it's romantic enough. Don't yeah, you worry. We got it. <laughs> and... Um, but uh, it really is, please know that we're really believing that over the next couple of weeks as we speak into this de- uh, declaration of together, uh, that it really isn't about just a married relationship, uh, but we're talking about mates, we're talking about uh, the dynamic of family, we're talking about the dynamic of what it can be like in our workplaces, and obviously the dynamic of what it's like in this room, in our church, in our connect groups, and then also, obviously also, most importantly, the dynamic of our relationship with God, all right? And so I uh, really pray that... People don't just go, oh, well, I haven't, you know, I'll, I'll, it's not really speaking to me. No, I really believe that God, as we've been praying, saying, God, what area do you want to touch on? Because there's so much you could talk to. What do you want to talk on? And I really felt like God say, let's speak to unity. Let's speak to unity. And then right away, someone just goes, maybe, oh, Josh, is, is, there, no, is there not unity? Are you a bit worried about what was it? I actually feel like we're probably in one of the most unified seasons yeah. we've ever been. But who knows that when something's strong, it's good to reinforce it yeah. rather than to get casual with it, rather than just go, oh, you know, no, there's a great unity at the moment. No, I think that God wants to say, oh, come on, I want to protect unity. Come on, I want to enable there for greater growth as God is bringing amazing fresh people into life. Come on, I want you to know that there is a sense of unity. What you've come into is a place that unifies. And so, uh, so let's reinforce that, hey? Let's speak to it because I know that if... The enemy can do anything. If he wants to divide God's plan, then what he'll do is divide God's people. Right from the beginning through to the end. If he can divide God's people, he'll divide God's plan. But that's where we just got to keep staying in the, on the forefront. This church is called to be a family that stands together. And I love that. You know, actually in Matthew 12, 22 to 25, it talks about a house divided cannot stand. Right, a house divided cannot stand. You ready to jump into it? Yeah. All right. Then one was brought to him. This is Jesus, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard of it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So he's saying, this man's doing a good thing through a bad way, right? And then Jesus speaks up, but Jesus knew their thoughts. Don't you love that? Right? Jesus knows our thoughts. That's always, you know, encouraging or worrying. And he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. So what is he saying? He's saying anything that starts to become divided ends up in desolation, barrenness. It's sterile and it's isolated. But a house united, listen to this, defeats the enemy, sees God's power at work, restores and heals, increases vision and God's design to be outworked. Come on, so why do we wanna bring focus to the reality of unity in our marriages, unity in our families, unity in our friendships, unity in the reality of our church? Why? Because we wanna see God's power at work. Come on, we wanna see the enemy defeated. We want the reality of that which was held back to be released. Come on, we want vision and declaration only to increase but not to decrease. So therefore, we've got to stay together. And I love it. The Bible often and always would talk about the significance of one. 
Come on, we have one God, right? Made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he's saying, hey guys, I'm one. We are one. Don't you love that? We have one faith, right? We all have different walks, but we have one faith. Come on, we are all from different areas, but we're called to lift up one name, the name of Jesus. I love it that he didn't say there's many churches. He said, no, there's the church. There's one church, God's body, right? All is different parts, all right? Some of us get to be the beautiful side of it, and some of us get to be just the functional kidney that lives in the background. But there's different parts, but we're one body all united together. And when every part works together well, who knows what the body can accomplish is absolutely unlimited. And the amazing thing about this family, this oneness that God talks about, you know, the incredible thing is that our Father in heaven, He is the Father of the family. And God longs to protect and to govern and to ensure unity at the highest level, at the highest level. And I love that because uh, we're both from great families, but uh, I have seen the fight for unity from a father's perspective, incredibly modelled uh, in Nadia's dad and my own father in different ways. But in Nadia's dad, there have been many times that I've seen him fight for unity in his family that have just been amazing. Yes, so true. <laughs> um, I love the scripture in Psalm 133. And this is something that we're, I've always treasured this verse, one to three, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity. Yep. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the bed, running down on Aaron's bed, down the collar of his robe. It is as the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion for the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And you just see this principle outworked. When we have oneness, there is God's blessing, his anointing, his presence. And how amazing is that, that because of our our unity, God's presence rests on us. And I just, my dad was so passionate about that growing up. I mean, I, I remember we always, we're a very close family, so we would go away on holidays together, and if there was ever, you know, that you know that point that happens when one of the family goes a little bit earlier, and then some of the rest of the family will start to talk about the annoying parts about that other family, and Dad would just shut those conversations down. He's like, guys, we're not having a bar of that. We yeah. are not talking about another member of the family when they're not here. If we need to have this conversation, we're having it all together. He would fiercely protect unity. Yeah. I remember another time when we, uh, my grandma passed away and left some money to dad and so he gave it to us kids and said look what we're going to do is we're going to buy a house together and then do up that house and then use the funds uh, to to increase and then you'll each have a deposit for your home and so we did that but I remember dad getting us all together and saying you know what if this turn this house this blessing that I'm going to give you if it turns into dividing our family then I'll sell it like if there's any conversations that come up where this turns tense it's not worth the sacrifice of our family. And I just love that. Dad was just passionate as family comes first. We come first. Loving each other comes first. I have to, I have to <laughs> say, one of my, my favourite as the son-in-law, who can do no wrong, uh, not true. One of the, uh, one, well, there's actually a few times. The first time Mark really spoke into my life is when Nadia and I actually went to America together uh, as, as young adults. And, you know, he fiercely loved his daughter and he came up to me in the airport and I thought it was like a, you know, a firm handshake, which he's a farmer, so you've got to come when they're, you know, grip strength strong. And went in and, and the handshake and he just looked at me and said, you sold the vision of this to my daughter. And I'm like, as an 18-year-old, I'm trying to process, what do you, sold the vision? I'm like, okay, sure. I asked if we should go, you know, like, and then he goes, so you're responsible? I said, yes, yes, I am. And he goes, so if anything happens to her, I'm like, right, 
I will find you and I'll bash your kneecaps in with a baseball bat. Are we clear? Nothing happens to my daughter. I'm like, yes, Mr. Moat. You know, like, and, uh, and you know, and there's this fierceness to, like, to guard and to protect and to make sure the family's strong. But then also after that, we came back and, and we got married and then we're on summer holiday and we're down at the holiday house and, and again, one of the family members seemed to be a little bit stuck to their phone and what everyone and their friends were doing rather than what the family was doing. And it got a bit tense. And so then Mark literally walked into the caravan, grabbed the phone, walks out and threw it into the middle of the pond that was next to their property. And he goes, and that's that sorted. All right, everybody, let's enjoy our holiday together, right? And you can understand that pretty challenging moment. But I'm just standing on the balcony, just watching this go down going, that is awesome. Like, like I can't wait for the day to do that. Like, that is going to be amazing. And... Uh, but it was this reality of actually going, I'm not going to let other things come and divide. Come on, not get in the center. As Nadia said, not even a blessing am I going to allow a blessing to come in and all of a sudden upset and disrupt the reality of what God is doing. And it wasn't because unity wasn't there. It's because he wanted to ensure unity stayed there. Yeah. And that's an amazing quality to have. Incredible. And so many people would come into our family and say, man, you guys have such an incredible family. Like, there's just something so special, which is obviously the love and unity that we had. But how beautiful is it that how often people say the same thing when they walk into church? Right. Man, there's something about this place. Yeah. And there's something about this group of people, this community that I want to be a part of. And it's our love and our unity. Like John 13 verse 35 says, By this everyone will know you are my disciples yeah. if you love one another. And it is just the heart of our Heavenly Father that we are one. I mean, the last prayer of Jesus when He was with His disciples and praying to the Father in the garden was, Lord, let them be one as you and I are one. Yeah. God, let them be one. And how amazing is it that this heart of our Father is that we would be united together. But there is an enemy that wants to divide. Absolutely. Absolutely, there is. And for, if we were to take back, let's wind the clock back to the very first relationship right? The very first dynamic of human beings and God and, and that relationship of Adam and Eve, you've got to understand they lived in a perfect environment, right? They lived in a perfect environment, Genesis 3, if you want to read it another time. They lacked nothing. There was no sickness. There was no worry. There was no shame. There was no fear of failure. They were walking in perfect relationship, right? There was not a desire to seek self. There was not a, an essence to put themselves over another. There was abundance absolutely everywhere. They had a perfect marriage, right? They, they had the perfect climate. How do you know that? Because they wore no clothes. Like, it's just unbelievable. And yet, there's an enemy who was once in perfect relationship, but had fallen, desired glory for himself, and he fell from grace. And now his sole purpose is to rob, steal, and destroy that no one else would be able to have the same level of, of personal connection and relationship and, and love that came from God. And so therefore he enters into this garden environment and says, okay, how am I gonna upset this relationship? Right, how am I gonna stir this up? I know what I'll do. What I'll do is I'll start to make them question what God spoke to them and then I'll make them turn on each other. Yeah. And if I can do that, then I can disrupt God's perfect plan and I can enable there to be division because if I can divide them, who knows, then they're not gonna be able to do all that God had them to do. And so there's this reality that they go in and then they, he starts to tempt and the serpent tempts Eve, starts to show them the reality of this forbidden fruit that was commanded, don't touch it. You can have everything, but to ensure that this is a relationship, there has to be the freedom of will to choose, 
So therefore, don't touch this. You can do everything else, just don't touch this. What does the enemy say? Okay, how do we manipulate to make them ensure that they go against what God's asking and start to devil into what that, which God said don't have? Yeah. Oh, he just doesn't want you to have it because he wants to limit you. He just doesn't want you to go there because actually he wants to restrict you. No, no, God loves you. Come on, the boundaries and the parameters he set up for us isn't to limit us, it's to release us to live in perfect relationship. But unfortunately, what happens is they then listen. The manipulation goes to the place where they actually entertain. The temptation goes from just a tempting idea to a taking of. And now their eyes are opened. Guilt, shame, and regret instantly hit their lives. Darkness, brokenness, death is now a part of everyday life. And all the things God never desired us to be exposed to are now present. And it's amazing because in that moment, they then had a response. And I think this is what, this is what kind of wanna, we want to unpack and kind of talk to a little bit is about what do we do? How do we respond, right, to stay together when everything's not going the way that we want it to, right? And they responded by these three things. The first thing they did is they covered themselves. They covered themselves with leaves, right? Second thing they did is they hid themselves from God, right? So they covered themselves because of the shame. They saw finally really revealed to themselves what was going on. They covered themselves. They hid from God who they used to walk with daily in the cool of the evening. And then they started to blame each other for the position that they were now in. The relationship was fractured. It had become self-centered. And that which was now was perfect unity is now divided. And so what we want to speak to briefly over the next few minutes is how do we actually remain together? Come on, how do we remain together where there's the reality that we live in a fallen world, when there's a reality of all this conflict and conf confusion and all that kind of stuff and things happen, we do things we don't like, et cetera, et cetera. Others do stuff to us. How do we remain together, all right? So That's great. So the first thing we wanna look at, which I think comes back to the first response of Adam and Eve was to hide, uh, was, to, sorry, to cover themselves. So the first thing we wanna look at is to embrace vulnerability. Yeah. Embrace vulnerability. I think one of the greatest strengths we can bring to any relationship is vulnerability. So good. And I mean, we, we say it to our kids all the time is that honesty always. We've actually got a photo of family values that we have on the wall behind us here on screen. And it's one of the things we constantly say. So did we send that photo through? Maybe yeah, it's not. Coming. It's, it's coming. coming. Um, honesty always, guys, because with our kids, I don't want perfection from them. Right. I want their honesty. Because if I have honesty with my kids, if I have vulnerability, you know you're building from what's reality. And when they're honest, when they're vulnerable with us, it means that we're in this place where there's unity, yeah. where I can actually bring strength to their weaknesses. And I think it's an amazing thing. It shows the heart of God to us. He's like, guys, I don't want you to come to me in all your perfection. Mm. I don't want you to come to me in all, all your strength, having everything all sorted, everything all together. No, I want you to come to me in your weakness, to come to me in your vulnerability. That's so why the Apostle Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Mm. Like how beautiful actually is that? that we would boast in our weakness and we're not like that as people often. Like imagine if we actually lived that out day to day. Right. Like our connect groups, which is so our heart for connect groups, got to a place where we could be that honest with each other that we could share our greatest temptations. Mm. 
that we could be that vulnerable with what's going on in our lives, that authentic. And I just love that that is the heart of our God, that we bring vulnerability because when we bring vulnerability, God is able to bring his strength on it and then we're able to glean on the strength of others as well. We're never intended to be strong in our own right. We are strong because of the God that is living on the inside of us. And that's how he's glorified through us. When we are weak, that's why the word says he takes the foolish things of the world to glorify himself. We are called to magnify him. If anyone's watching, the Commonwealth Games at the moment. There was this beautiful moment last night with the end of the marathon run and this Ugandan guy, just amazing runner, won it. And the first thing he did was got to his knees and he honoured God. He just put it, he put his hands like this and he honoured God for a full minute. That was the first thing he did. And it was such a beautiful thing to see just in the middle of his uh, his honour and His glory moment, no, I'm going to bring it back to you, Jesus. And that is what our lives are about, honouring and glorifying Jesus in yeah. what we do. And that's not about just having it all right, but bringing to Him the rawness of who we are. So good. You know, I was thinking about that great scripture that, you know, is, is used in weddings and, and it really is in the context talking to marriages. But I think it's a great uh, encouragement for all of us around that, that uh, in Ecclesiastes, sorry, for nine, where it starts talking about two are better than one, right? Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the man or pity the person who falls down and has no one to help them up. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking, you know, it's, it's incredible because, yeah, that's a phenomenal context in marriages and that's the way it should be in that reality that we have one another. And who knows, come on, in marriages, sometimes one of us feels like we're kicking goals and everything's great and the other one feels a little low at the time and, and you build each other up and then it's a, give it two days or, you know, two weeks or two hours and it's the other way around and something else may have happened and you build each other up. But I was thinking about that and just that dynamic of like going, that's not actually just a marriage principle. It needs to be the reality of a church family principle. Come on, like how, how, who have we got in our lives, come on, that we can say I've fallen over, yeah. right? Like in a, in a day and age where it's like, well, don't present like you haven't fallen, cover up. Yeah. Don't present that your hair's not cut at the moment. That's why you have to wear a beanie because it's so all over the place. And, you know, like just cover up. Make people go, hey, that's a cool outfit. Where really it's just going, man, I'm desperate for a haircut. <laughs> right, like it's, it's, it's that dynamic of going, you know, who, who in your life have you got someone that you say like, man, I'm falling over at the moment. Man, I feel like my faith's falling over. I'm facing challenge after challenge. I'm wondering where God is in this. Man, I feel like my marriage is just like we're just going from one complication to the next. Man, we feel like we're falling down at the moment. We used to run so freely, but man, we feel like we're tripping up. Who have we got in our world? Come on, that we can actually say, hey, I'm falling. And the challenge of it is today is that in society, come on, there's that challenge that we have where it's like you can't point that out in somebody. Don't you dare shame someone and think that maybe you should speak to that area or please don't present like you've actually got need in your life because, I mean, that's a bit embarrassing. No, no, we're a family. Come on, it isn't a family there meant to be for one another, to carry one another, to help one another, to support each other, to show love and grace and mercy. So I thought the other side of that coin is who in your life would actually notice and have you given room to say, man, I, I just noticed a change. You seem, you seem like everything's a bit negative. Everything used to be the most, you must be zealous and used to be like so encouraging, but now it's like, man, that's negative. That doesn't work. Why do that? Don't have we got someone that's actually got, we have given permission to actually speak and go, hey, are, things, are things all right in that area of our life? Or rather, we just want to say, how long can I cover this up? Man, how long can I cover this up? How long can I cover this up? 
Because the problem with it is, is that they covered themselves with leaves, which meant, you know what, leaves don't last long. So whatever you're covering yourself up with today, it's only temporary and you're gonna have to cover yourself again with something else tomorrow. And then you're gonna have to cover something else again, but don't you love how good God is? God is so awesome. In Genesis 3.21, it goes on and says, the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and his wife, and he clothed them. Come on, don't you love that? You love that God clothes us, right? He doesn't say live with a temporary, just keep covering up. You know, he wants to clothe us with his mercy. He wants to clothe us with his forgiveness. He wants to clothe us with his grace. He wants to clothe us with his power. He wants to clothe us in his truth and his word. Come on, that defeats the lie of the enemy. He wants you to say, hey, you're always gonna stuff up. You're always gonna be like this. No, 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 that's not God's word for your life. But we need people to come around us. What's incredible is that in this passage, God actually asks Adam and Eve three questions, right? He asks three questions. So the first one is about the fact that they hid. And the question that he asks in Genesis 3.11 is, who told you? They cover up. Who told you you're naked? Come on, who told you that if other people knew and saw that side of you, you wouldn't be welcome in church? Who told you that lie? Don't cover up that. No, bring the reality of who you are to God. Let God be the one that can come and meet you there. Who told you that if you say nothing, hide it and pretend it didn't happen, that you're going to finally get your breakthrough? That's not the way God wants to work. God wants to get in there. He wants to bring healing. He wants to restore and He wants to strengthen. But who told you that you're naked? Oh, it's a great question to ask ourselves. It's a great position to go, hey, hey, those areas that I think I need to cover up, who told you you have to live as a place of cover up, not a place of actually uncovering and saying, God, I invite you now. This is an area of weakness, but I invite your strength to come. I invite the one on two that I entrust to say, come, speak into this area. Help lift me up because, hey, this is an area I need help in. Because who knows? We all need help, amen. I know we're a little quiet right now, and I know it might be the most stirring, positive message. But come on, we've got to guard unity. We've got to fight for unity. We've got to be there for one another. And I love it. Why? Because this family, as it grows, it's not going to get clicky and small. No, no. The ability is we extend our arms and we got more people to help lift, more people to help carry, more people to keep lifting up. And we all know that one day we'll need it as much as another person may need it today. We do it together. Brilliant. Well, the second thing we're going to look at is to run to God, not from Him. Right. Run to God, not from Him. Adam and Eve ran from God rather than to God. And how amazing is our King that He is that one that we can run to. Yes. No matter what we're going through, He is the one that we can run to. But I think this, is, this speaks to the power of the church too. Come on. I mean, the church, it is where, it's why our marriage is strong because we have people in the church that we trust, that we can go to when stuff hits the fan, when stuff is hard. We can have total honesty. We have total honesty and vulnerability with each other. But then we've also got people around yeah. us that we can go to. Hey guys, this is what's happening. Trusted people. That's come from the church, from God's house. Yeah. The church is where I've found my closest friends. Again, people that I trust, that I can share whatever is going on. And you have that level of accountability and trust. It's from the church. The church is where we've learned and are learning to raise our kids. The church is where we get insight, wisdom to raise a family well. The church is not man's idea, but it is God's perfect idea. The church is where I find God's presence, where I find when I'm struggling with things, the power to overcome. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Come on, are we carrying each other's burdens? Are we doing life to that level? I think it's so beautiful. 
church is where we find the wisdom we need to walk out God's way. The church is where we find, where we come together, we worship despite our differences. There are so many different points of opinion in this room, but we come together under the umbrella of God's Word, worshiping our King, loving our God. So we can be different, but it's His Word and His presence and worshiping Him that brings us together and the common cause of reaching a city for Him as well. And I just love, again, Ephesians 1 verse 23, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts and by He he fills everything with His presence. How good is the church? And the church can get rolled in the media these days. It can be cast in a really bad light. But I wanted to bring some research up on the screen behind me. If I've got that ready, guys, it'd be awesome. But, you know, this is what I'm... Josh Howington is a source that you can go to for more information on this. But Christians who attend church regularly are 35% less likely to get divorced. Regular church attendance decreases um, all three of the big dangers for our young people, which are depression, substance abuse, and sexual promiscuity. promiscuity. Regular church attendance does that. Attending church dramatically improves your mental health. The only people in the US where mental health improved in 2020 were those that regularly attended church. How amazing is that? Groups of couples were surveyed and one of the key indicators of a fulfilled sex life were couples who went to church. How good is that? So I know. Be found in the house, people. (laughs) I know, like, again, as a church, we don't get everything perfect, but gosh, church is God's idea for us to do life together, to find the wisdom we need with each other. These other studies, I think, are powerful as well about reading the Bible. Those who read the Bible four times a week, loneliness drops 38%. Come on. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumps 238%. Come on. How incredible is is the Word of God? God's ways work. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. It is amazing. And, uh, you know, I got to say, like it, the latest census in Australia said, hey, the, the polls are saying that church is declining, uh, that people don't want religion and stuff anymore. Hey, I'm not here to sign up for religion, but a relationship with Jesus, come on, is what everybody needs. And when was the Word of God, when was the Christian faith ever built on the popularity of the world? Come on, it was founded from a place of God's plan to reunite people with the love of the Father. Come on, that's the reality of this. God is coming back for His church. I love that. This church is where every nation, culture, generation and voice unite as one. Come on, together. While we might have thousands of differences, we are God's children. And first and foremost, we are here to worship Him. Come on, why do we gather on a Sunday? Why do we meet? Why? Because we're here to worship Jesus. And from that place, come on, who knows? The purpose of God and the mission of God starts to flow in us and through us. And I just love those stats because it shows the health of who God wants to be in us actually increases. Come on, we've got to understand that we are here to bring the good news of the gospel. It is the church. So we've got to run to Him, run to His church in these times. Come on, when somebody says something that upsets you, run to the church. Come on, it hurts my heart sometimes to go, I haven't seen those people for a while. Oh yeah, apparently something was said that upset them. And what? We're not together anymore. 
because there wasn't the opportunity to have clarity and just talk through it. What, what's going on? Like, come on, we've got to stand together. You never had a disagreement in your home? Hello, like we're a big family. There's gonna be disagreements, but come on, we're here for a greater cause. Our differences don't divide us. No, the common name of Jesus unites us. We're not here about the temporary, we're here about the eternal. And then in that, come on, we will stand and His church will continue to rise and move forward. I get stirred about this stuff. I know it's 9am and I know some of you are even bed going, oh my gosh, turn it down, huzzy. Come on. I heard there was a stat that really improves if you stay in church. And so uh, there are over 30 times where we see the combination of the two words, one another. Encourage one another, love one another, serve one another, comfort one another. Come on, we're not here to turn up and have a coffee, get in and get out. No, comfort one another, serve one another, love one another, build each other up in the faith. The same encouragement you've received, come on, it's time to pour it out. The same way someone serves so you can encounter him, let's all serve so others can encounter him. Listen to this, it's all about the one, but we must always have focus on the another. Come on, there's always room for another one. There's always room to enable this family because this family is not just this room. This family is global. This family is eternal and God is coming back for His church. Number three, well, the question, sorry, that Jesus, that God asked Adam and Eve in this, in this moment, in Genesis 3, 9, if we, as we talk about this, He asked the question, where are you? Coming in your heart when it comes to the reality of His house, His church, where are you? Come on, are you in love with His church? Yeah, it's dysfunctional at times and there's things that, we're not perfect, but come on, are you in love with God's house? Are you in love with His presence? Is it a priority in your heart? Is it a priority in your life? Hey, babe, I don't think we've got anything else on this month. We might as well go to church. Come on, that's not the way God designed us to stay together. We're not gonna find authentic, oh, well, I don't have people that's authentic relationship. Well, where are we investing ourselves to have the authenticity that we can be vulnerable? Why? Because we don't wanna get rid of the leaves. It's time to let God clothe us the way He desired. Number three, we've got to hurry but number three is they blamed. They blamed, right? So number three, what's the way that we stay together? We take responsibility. Take responsibility. You know, I have to say that over these last couple of years and on a number of occasions, not just one or two, but in a number of occasions, in the last few years as there's been a whole lot to navigate, the truth of it is is that there's been a, a few really special and strategic relationships in my own life that have actually come to a place of tension and friction and a place where it actually easily, naturally, it would be, oh, I just, it's just too awkward to go there. It's just, I mean, it's just uncomfortable. And unfortunately, we can easily get to that point where we don't wanna deal with the tension. We don't wanna deal with the friction and the frustration. So we just let time, but time doesn't unite. Time actually divides. And we let these things go on and we let these things play out and then all of a sudden we get too busy, we move on and oh, what's the point? It's been that long. Oh no, I mean, let's just put it, let it go under the bridge. But unfortunately, it doesn't go under the bridge. It blocks the bridge. And, I, and I've been so grateful for the, the ability over the last couple of years to have moments where there's actually been times of real vulnerability, humility, where we've sat in rooms and actually dialogued the stuff that hurt, dialogued the misunderstanding, the miscommunications. And actually out of that place of not trying to say, hey, it was your fault, I'm not here to blame, but to say, hey, we've got to get this healthy. We've got to get this sorted out. There's a mission that God's given us that if we don't get this together, come on, we're going to hesitate and hold up what God's trying to do. 
Listen to me now. If you've got a relationship that feels like it's getting fractured and going backwards, you're on the edge of something awesome that God wants to do. Every time I've seen a relationship start to go backwards, it's because the enemy is saying, if I could just divide this now, if I could just get this to separate now, if I could just get them to hold a grudge now. But I tell you, on the other side of uniting and having that conversation and going there, God has literally brought a health that wasn't there before, a strength that wasn't there before. And then what we've been able to see is like, wow, imagine if that broke down took place. We wouldn't be what we're stepping into now. We wouldn't be going where God's called us to go. We wouldn't have the freedom to run with the clarity and the purity of heart like we do have now. And I love that. So this question that, um, this question that uh, we have to ask ourselves, what are we fighting for? Are we fighting to be right or are we fighting to unite? Come on, are we fighting to be right? Because that's often what we want, right? We just want to win the argument. It's not my fault we're here. It's your fault. Adam, what happened? Well, this woman that you gave me, she made me eat it, right? This woman that you, Adam didn't point any finger at himself. This woman that you, right? Hang on a second. Hang on a second, husband. Hang on a second, you know, like God's like son, first one, like Adam. You were in that environment just as much as she was. It says that she was, he was standing there in the presence of what was taking place. Where were you to stand up? Why didn't you stand in between your wife and the serpent and say, hey, hey, babe, we're not gonna listen to these lies. These lies aren't doing anything for our relationship with God and I don't believe it's gonna have any goodness in the relationship for us together. Come on, where was the conviction of the husband in that moment? We all say, oh man, if only Eve didn't eat the fruit. Well, if only the husband stood up and actually stood up with a conviction in his heart. Hang on, doesn't God's Word say? Come on, that we're not here to actually, this is, this is God's Word, this is His command. Come on, babe, let's flee from this situation. I know that we can be listening to this and watching that podcast and listening to that article and reading that and reading that. I tell you, you gotta do a Mark Mowat sometimes and throw this thing out of the room. Come on, get rid of it. Get rid of the divisive. Hello, divisive. I thought that was quite good. I didn't even think of that. I planned it at the moment. Come on, these things are dividing. They're a great tool, but they're a really bad leader. Come on, we can find ourselves narrative after narrative leading us into one direction. Come on, there's got this to be a ability. We've got to stand up in the conviction of God. We've got to fight for this unity. I'm not trying to trump over Nadia when I say, hey, babe, that, that, that's, that's not true. That's not right. We don't go there. We don't talk like that. Nadia's not going to dominate me when he, she says, babe, come on, we've got to raise our head a bit. We've got to think different to that. We don't want to get into that mind frame. She's not trying to dominate. No, she's trying to fight for unity, fight for us to stay together. And come on, in this day and age, I want to say it to us loud and clear. We've got to fight to stay together, church. Come on, we've got to fight from that place that we believe the best in each other. Fight from that place that we realize God's Word is life-giving. His Word is liberating. His Word is truth. And that place that we together just keep coming back to Him. Fight to unite. But the truth of it is, is we have to ask the question, come on, what, what have you done? God says, what have you done? And I love that we have a Savior in Jesus then when we say, I talk about taking responsibility, come on, what an amazing God we have. Come on, this says, hey, this relationship's fractured. 
this relationship's gone backwards. This relationship's decayed. This relationship is just actually, it's, it's a mess. Well, uh, he didn't say, hey, I'm going to wait for people to get it right. No, no, what did he do? He says, okay, I'm going to send my son Jesus. I'm going to take responsibility for the tension. I'm going to take responsibility for the breakdown. I'm going to lead from a place where I'll lay me down so I can get them back, so I can make it possible that they can live again in that perfect relationship, live from that place where they understand the value of who they are because of what God has placed on them, not because of what they've done, what they made mistakes. No, because I am enough. Come on, to wipe the clear and give people a brand new beginning. Come on, are you grateful for a God who takes responsibility? Come on, He took responsibility. So good. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You know, I love when you love somebody, you will fight for a relationship. You will fight to take responsibility for the relationship. With my kids, I fight to be close to them because I love them so much. If I I get a sense of them drifting or I will fight to be close to them. With our marriage, I will fight for unity because I love Craig so much. We fight for what we love. And that's where we need God's love in the middle of our relationships like never before because when we're motivated by love, everything else plays itself out because your spirit is right in whatever you do. So one of my daily prayers is, God, help me love people. Mm. Help me to love the people you've put in our world that you have entrusted to us. Because when love is the motivator, you end up doing things out of a sweet spirit of wanting the best for each other, not competing, but complimenting each other. And that is such a powerful thing. And when in any relationship, we're not there to win. I mean, Tour de France, which is such a, anyone watch the Tour de France cycling? It's such an amazing thing to watch. And you see these competitors at the top of their game but they will sacrifice themselves for the sake of their team because it's not about me winning, it's about the team winning. And when we come to conflict, that's a great thing to have in our head. It's not about me winning in this, it's about us winning and us growing into everything God has for us. So So great, Yeah. so great. Isn't it gonna be amazing when we get to heaven that we cross the line together? We cross the line together. So I love about the Tour de France in the last stage, the, there's, there's different people with different strengths. And one of them, uh, he, uh, he was an amazing sprinter. He won the sprint jersey. And he actually was saying, they, they reckon he could have won the last stage as well. But I love this photo of the finish line. It's a picture of the Yamba Visma team with Vingegaard with the yellow jersey. He means he was the fastest in the overall category, the general category where every stage time calculated, he had the, 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 the quickest time. But what you can see is there's others riders in front of them that won that stage, but as a team, they all won the race. They all won the race. On that team right there, it represents another two cyclists who actually never made it to the end because they got sick and they fell out and one broke whatever. But the truth of it is, is that they were still part of the winning team. On that there, you'll see the yellow guy and the green guy, they won multiple stages as did one other, but there's two other team members there that never crossed the line first in an individual race, but they crossed the end of the race all as one. And the green guy sacrificed his ability to win that day because he said, you know, I wanna stand in a line, I wanna stand as one. We will cross the line together. Why? Because it's the together that is the strength. 
Come on, we've got to stop feeling like it's about a solo race where we're trying to get the win and we're trying to get the advantage. We're trying to, no, no, where can we? Come on, maybe pull back, but use our strength to support somebody else. Where can we go in front to enable somebody else's strengths to flourish when it's their time to rise? This ability to stand together. See, I love what John 17, as Nadia talked about earlier, it's incredible prayer and we should read it on an often basis because it's amazing. This is God's prayer for you. This is God's prayer for me. And he's praying this prayer in John 17 as he's about to really enter the last stages of his ministry. In verse 19 to 23, it says this, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they may be made holy by your truth. Verse 20, I am praying not only for the disciples, the 11, the crew that are here, but also I'm praying for every single one who will believe in me to come. He's praying for us. That through this message, through the message, verse 21, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. And you are in my, me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world, listen to this, why does God desire that we would be one? Why is it so important? so that the world would believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one and I am them as you are in me and may they experience such perfect unity that the world, listen to this again, will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you loved me. Come on, the unity we have together, the importance of just, ensuring, come on, that we don't cover up, but we remain vulnerable. That we don't run from God, let's run to God. That we don't point the blame at why it's not working for us, but that we take ownership and take responsibility to restore and to gather together. Why is it important? Why must we stand together? Why must we have each other's back? Why? Because the world will see. You can hear whatever you want to hear, but you walk into the presence of God, you walk into a healthy church, you walk into that environment. I tell you, every deceptive lie falls to the ground when light and purity and truth is revealed. Come on, there is something so powerful. I had all these preconceived ideas, but when I came in and I sensed that love and I met that person and I encountered that grace and I met that love, I tell you, all of that fades away. Why? Because the light of life comes in. And His desire, come on, is that we would be a church that's ever increasing because we are always united. We will not divide. Can you say amen? Amen. So I would love to take a moment as we close. And I pray you've heard our heart and I pray this is connected with us this morning. But I really pray that actually we'd take a moment right now and to say, hey, if you're here and you're not yet united to Christ, you don't yet know God's love, that we could pray and offer an opportunity, an invitation, the Bible says, an invitation that you could open your heart, not to religion, but a relationship with Jesus. You may be investigating faith and you may be watching from a distance at home and, and just inquiring of this area of church and religion and, and God and all of that. Well, it's so grateful to have you in this place and I thank God for what He's doing in your heart and I really pray that you've sent something in your spirit. But if you're here and you know that, hey, I'm not in relationship with God or I once was, but things have complicated and I'm, I'm actually disconnected. I pray that today the Holy Spirit right now be knocking on your heart, that He would be drawing you into relationship with Him. 
Come on, then he wouldn't be drawing you into the fabric of having to join a collective group. No, no, he would be drawing you into relationship with him. Come on, and out of that place, yes, as we get saved, I love that Bible says that he adds us to the family of faith. You're not called to do life alone. Maybe you're living in an isolated place. I wanna ask you, is your heart open to Jesus? He loves you so much. Or maybe you've never had the opportunity to open your heart to God. Well, today, could we pray a prayer that you could know God for yourself, that you could discover the love of a Saviour who took responsibility, paid the price, so that the sin in our life and everything that separates us could be wiped away, and that we in an honest, open prayer that we could know God for ourselves. I would love to pray this prayer with anyone and with everyone that says, Craig, I need to get my heart right with God. I'm disconnected, I'm far from Him, but I know today I need to come back. Again, you could be at home and you know that God's speaking to you. He's knocking on the door of your heart. Then as we pray this prayer, I want you to respond as well. Pray it from your heart. God sees you. But if you're in the room, if we just close our eyes, if you're in this room right now and you just know God's knocking on your heart saying, Kai, I want a relationship with you. I want to do life with you. I have made a way. Please accept my grace. Accept my love. Walk with me. You know you're not walking with Him, but today you wanna make a choice to walk with God. If you're here and you say, Craig, I wanna know God for myself. Would you include me in this prayer that I could know God? It'd be my honour. So I know who I'm praying for. If you're in this room, would you just lift your hand and say, Craig, would you pray for me? I know that's my decision today. I need to get right at home as well. You're making this decision in your heart. It's fantastic. Awesome. Come on, we're all gonna pray this prayer and say it together. Say, dear Jesus, today I open my heart to receive your love, to receive your grace and your forgiveness. I thank you that your love is enough, that Jesus made a way. And through His death and His resurrection, I receive the grace and the gift of life. And I make a decision. I'm gonna live with you. Help me walking with you to walk with others as we walk into everything you have. In Jesus' Name, Amen. 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 How awesome Come on, is that? can we that? celebrate and honour and thank people for making that People making that decision. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.